while he was hunting for deer near the Red Bluff area in Northern California, Jay Raftman climbed to the ledge on a slope of a rocky gorge. As he raised his head to look over the ledge, he sensed movement to the right side of his face. A coiled rattlesnake with lightning speed just missed his right ear as he flinched away. The four-foot snake's fangs, however, got snagged in the neck of his wool turtleneck sweater. And the force of the strike caused the snake to land on his left shoulder and then coil around his neck. He grabbed it behind the head with his left hand and could feel the warm venom trickling down his neck while the rattle was making this loud racket. During the commotion, he fell backward and slid headfirst on his back down the steep slope through the brush and rocks, his rifle and binoculars bouncing along beside him. As luck would have it, he ended up wedged between some rocks with his feet caught uphill from his head and he could barely move. He got his right hand to reach his rifle and used it to disengage the snake's fangs from his sweater but the snake had enough leverage to strike again. In fact, at this moment, I want to read the rest of what happens in Raftman's own words. He said, The snake made about eight more attempts to strike me and managed to hit me with its nose just below my left eye four times. I kept my face turned away so he couldn't get a good angle with his fangs, but it was very close. This chap and I were eyeball to eyeball. And I found out that snakes really don't blink. <laughs> I was afraid that I would pass out with all the blood rushing to my head in that position, but I managed to finally choke the snake to death with my left hand that was still holding it. When I tried to toss the dead snake aside, I couldn't let it go. I had to pry my fingers from around its neck. I don't know about you, but I hate snakes. In fact, just a few weeks ago, a very tiny, harmless gopher snake slithered by my feet in the garage. And I don't think I have jumped so high or screamed so loud in my entire life. <laughs> so I can't even begin to imagine what Raftman experienced with that rattlesnake there on the side of the mountain. And when I think about that snake curled around his neck, striking fiercely at his face, I cannot help but also think of the poisonous and deadly scourge of sin that so easily entangles us. But the good news we celebrate at Christmas is that Jesus came down to get the snake of sin off our neck. It's the good news that the angel shared when he appeared to Joseph. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, starting in verse 20, it says, But after he had considered this, that's Joseph considering secretly divorcing Mary to try to do the honorable thing when he finds out she is with child, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, 
because he will save his people from their sins. This whole month in December, we have been looking at different reasons to rejoice. And I can't think of a bigger or better reason to rejoice than God saves us from our sins. I know that may sound cliche. Maybe some of you have already started to roll your eyes a little bit or reach for your phone to distract yourself because I've heard that a million times, Darren. I was hoping to come here this morning and and get some profound new insight into the Christmas narrative. And I want something more meaty, more theologically deep than God saves us from from our sins. But I don't think that there is anything more important, more profound, more theologically deep, more hopeful, more joy-inducing, more life-changing than God saves us from our sins. You see, the reality is, family, you and I have something. We have a sinful nature. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Scripture tells us in the book of Romans, right, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It tells us in John's first letter that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But in those very same places in the Word, it says also that we are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It tells us in that first letter of John, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all all unrighteousness. Could there be a better reason to rejoice than God saves us from our sins? And maybe we should just emphasize for a few moments, family, the good news that it is God who saves, not us. Sure, we are the ones who choose to turn our hearts to God in repentance in order to receive his salvation, but it is only by grace that we are even given the invitation, the opportunity to do that. It is only by his grace that we have any hope at all to be redeemed. I like the way Tim Keller puts it in his book, Hidden Christmas. He says, there is no moral of the story to the nativity. The shepherds, the parents of Jesus, and the wise men are not being held up primarily as examples for us. These gospel narratives are telling you not what you should do, but what God has done. The birth of the Son of God into the world is a gospel, good news, an announcement. You don't save yourself. God has come to save you. I came across another story this week that dealt with a snake. I know it's weird that both of my illustrations today for the Christmas message involve snakes, and I don't like snakes, but it's the way the Spirit led, I guess. So I was reading about this person who worked in a pet store, and they were describing an experience of feeding one of the snakes in the store. If you have ever had a pet snake, then you are a crazy person, of course, Uh, But you also probably know that you would feed it mice. And usually, I think those mice are already dead and they come frozen, right? And and you feed it once in a while, a dead mouse. And that's what this uh, employee had to do also for uh, the snake uh, that was there in the store. They had some live mice, but that was to sell to people. I don't know why you would buy mice, um, but I know that they sell them at pet stores. 
Anyway, this employee wanted one day to do a special treat for this snake. I guess he was fond of the snake in the store and feed it a live mouse. He did not do this with the store manager's permission, probably because those mice were reserved to sell to people, but he thought he would do this. He went to where the mice were, grabbed one, and dropped that unsuspecting mouse into the snake's glass cage, where the snake was sleeping peacefully in a bed of sawdust. The employee stood there watching to see that tiny mouse being swallowed alive. Then the mouse, out of some kind of instinct to survive, did, did something interesting. He started as carefully and quietly as he could to cover the snake with the sawdust chips in the cage. He would go on one side and, and flick a few of them over, then sneak around the other side and do that until that snake was completely buried under the sawdust. Maybe in his little mouse brain he thought, now the problem is solved. I'm safe from the threat. But of course, his effort was futile because eventually that sawdust started to shift and that snake began to emerge and it got into a position to enjoy its treat. While this was all happening, the store manager was watching off to the side. And just in time, he rushes over, reaches in, and grabbed that mouse before... (laughs) I know. I killed also a few mice in my garage a few weeks back, and it wasn't easy to do, you know. Thank goodness the mouse was saved. I'm telling you, family, were it not for the saving grace of the Master's hand, sin would eat us alive. We can try as hard as we want, we could try to be as clever as can be and, and cover up or, or find some kind of remedy to our sin problem, but our effort would be futile. doesn't matter how talented you are, how nice you are, how loving you are, how generous you are, how much you attend church, how much tithe or offering you get, how many sermons you preach, whether you're liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, nothing you or I can do or be will ever save us from our sins. Only the grace of God has the power to do that. Do you know the problem of sin doesn't just exist on a personal level. We also have to deal with living in a sinful world, which can make life so hard. When Leela turned six years old, I think I might have shared this story back when she turned six years old, but it's too good not to share again. When she turned six years old, and she just turned nine, I don't know where the time is going. This seemed just like yesterday. One of the things we were going to do for her birthday was we were going to learn how to ride, she was going to learn how to ride her bike without any training wheels. So the whole week leading up to her birthday, we were going to go to the park every day after school and, and practice to get her to be able to ride her bike. And so the first day we went over there, and you parents who have gone through this, uh, you know the drill, right? You, you hold the handlebars and maybe one hand also on the seat and you walk or jog slowly by your kid and you help them start to pedal and get going, some momentum, and then you let go and you hope that they'll figure it out, right? And probably what you experienced too, those first couple times, they wobble and they fall off and that's what happened to Leela. She got right back up, we tried again, second time, wobbled and fell down. After about the 10th time, a few bumps and bruises later, She was really getting frustrated. She's like, Dad, this is so hard. 
And I was like, I know, Leela, but you're doing a great job. Just keep trying. You'll eventually get it. This is our first day trying this. And then she let out this big sigh and said, it would be so much easier to ride my bike without training wheels if Adam and Eve never ate the fruit. I guess they were studying the creation story in kindergarten class that week, and Leela picked up on the concept that things are hard in our world because sin has entered into it. We experience various tragedies, diseases, pain, and sorrow because they ate the fruit, right? And I know some of you family have had to endure some of the worst things that life a sinful world can throw at you. I don't know what greater news I can give you today than God saves us from sin. Which means that despite our world's unending problems, we know that this world is not all there is, right? We know that one day God is going to make all things new. And that evil and sorrow and suffering will be no more. Family, the good news we celebrate at Christmas is that Christ, our Savior, is born. What a reason to rejoice. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we want you can have this world, Lord, but we want you in our life. Thank you for being willing to come down to be our Savior. We rejoice in that today. And Lord, I wonder if maybe some of us here today, maybe just a few, maybe they were invited by a, a friend, maybe they uh, got dragged here by a spouse, Maybe they come here time and again because there's great programs and ministry for their kids. I don't know whatever the circumstance is, Lord, but I wonder if there's maybe just a few who are here today that have never invited you to be the Savior of their life. And so, Lord, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I just want to give a moment for anyone that needs to to pray silently. Give me Jesus. Jesus.